Welcome to the Executive Talk Podcast, the place to chat with entrepreneurs, business leaders, marketing masterminds, and just awesomely creative people. I'm your host, Aaron Glazer, and let's jump right in. Okay, we are live. Welcome to Executive Talk. I am so excited to have you. Sid, how are you today? What's going on? I am phenomenal, and I'm getting better as I'm joining you and your, uh, your audience. I, I have to say, I'm really excited to have you here um, um, on the show. Oh, I've heard so much about you. Uh, your reputation precedes you. The, your list of accomplishments really is something spectacular, and I want to tackle all of it. So uh, you better buckle up because we we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of chatting going on right now. Wonderful. So, okay. Um, Okay, cool. So welcome to the Executive Talk Podcast. I am with Sid Mohaseb, right? They they branded you the entrepreneur philosopher. I would really love to hear how, what what is that? How does that, like, what does that mean? Uh, That's that's a good question. Uh, I guess maybe I philosophized about entrepreneurship to myself. (laughs) Uh, but seriously, I believe that it is our own personal entrepreneurship philosophy that each one of us have that uh, that makes us unique, makes us authentic. Uh, and it is a combination of our beliefs, a combination of how we face uh, building ecosystems, how we face uh, building a business, how we face uh, risk, how we face execution, all those things that yeah. makes us who we are based on our DNA, based on who uh, who we want to be, our aspirations. And if you look at all entrepreneurs, uh, from Warren Buffett to Elon Musk to you name it, they're just not yeah. the same. They're not, they're all different. No, of course they are. And they have to be different, you know? Like, you know, um, entrepreneurship is not a cookie cutter process. It definitely is not, you know? And, and it starts in your mind. And it starts in your mind. A hundred percent, it does. I'm, you know, we, we talk a lot about, for, you know, on our side, uh, about the idea of personal entrepreneurship and personal leadership, where you kind of break things down. You, if you break entrepreneurship down and leadership down into a few components, there's, you know, obviously what your role and positioning that you have for your community, all right, whatever, however you define your community, it could be your family, it could be your your job, it could be where you live, it could be, you know, your um, industry, it could be whatever you create for yourself, mm-hmm. right? And that's, that's a special niche, right? Not everyone could be a leader or entrepreneur in that level of capacity, right? And that's, and that's, you know, and that's a trained skill. That's, you know, something which is kind of natural, but you work towards and and you, you get it done, right? That, that level of personal entrepreneurship and personal leadership, I think is something which is completely understated and really needs to be spoken about more because people Right, as unique as they are, and as amazing as they are, all have that capacity in one way or another to really step into what I call personal leadership. And it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, uh, being in charge of people or things, but it means having a certain sense of responsibility towards yourself and your own actions and process 
in in your life. And I think so, that that's such so, so Aaron, you're gonna love my uh, the whole idea of my new book. At the sound yeah. of sound, uh, emotional here, but uh, yeah. it's what my thesis is, and this is maybe partly why they call me the philosopher. Is uh, I I. I am in, in opposition to people who say entrepreneurship, uh, you know, we have the entrepreneurs and we have the rest of the world. My position is we're all entrepreneurs. It's in our yeah. Entrepreneurship is about exchange of something you have, something you build, something you create, some resource that you have, and turning it into something better. Now, sure. this could be a paycheck that you get uh, from your work, and then you turn that into... Uh, uh, a wonderful meal for your kids. Uh, right. It could be uh, it, it could be anything that you have, and you turn it into something better. So, right. in that definition, you always have a risk. You never know it's a hundred percent. So let me let me let me kind of give you an example. Please. I think every every student is an entrepreneur. Here's my argument. Here's okay, my they 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 lose a lot of sleep. They work hard. They pay significant money or borrow from their parents or, 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 or go under debt in order to go to, to, to universities. And why do they do that? In order to get something, some degree, some position, so their life would be better. So they're trying to exchange the investment of time, effort, sleepless nights, uh, all of that stuff in order to exchange it with something better, a better life. And there's a risk. It may not happen. I love that. I actually never thought of entrepreneurship like that in that capacity. You're right. I guess it, under those terms, even students uh, could be, you know, our, our entrepreneurs in, under that model. That makes that makes a lot of sense. Correct. I really like Correct. that. So some of us, though, are what I call in denial. Okay. We, we, we don't want to accept that we're an entrepreneur because we look at, uh, you know, a Jeff Bezos. Oh, that guy is an entrepreneur. If he's an entrepreneur, I'm not an entrepreneur. Henry Ford is an entrepreneur. I'm not an entrepreneur. So right. those guys are saying, you know, there's a, there's a way to awaken that, stimulate your, do this, do this every day. Every time you're going to make a decision, stop for 10 seconds and see that you're making a choice between A and B. Do I go home right. from this route or that route? Do I make this food or that food? Do I right. do I go to work, uh, stay another half an hour, or go home and spend it with my kids? Right. At every given time, you're making lots of choices, and all of those choices have a probability of not being the best thing you do. You leave everything <laughs> from your work, and your boss makes you unhappy. You go from right. this route to work, and there may be a traffic and accident come down the road. There is always a risk attached to it. So if you stimulate your mind first, you would see that you are acting entrepreneurial in everything day-to-day -day life that you're doing. The That's so interesting. Is, what yeah. are you exchanging for what? What right. are you exchanging? No, look, that's that's a great that's a great way to look at it. I mean, it puts a lot of pressure on you. You know, it's like you're it turns it turns your entire life into a giant balance. You know, of like, well, is it this or is it that? You know, and like if you you know make the wrong move, oh my gosh, you know, like now that's the thing. The oh my gosh part comes when you when you think, oh, I'm gonna fail, and that's the second group. That's the aspirational group. They yeah. realize that they have some entrepreneurial thing. They want to do its hustle, if you would. They, they call it a side hustle, a weekend <laughs> thing. And, uh, but they're afraid. But they're afraid. Right. So the thing is that they're afraid that they make a mistake. I would say there are no mistakes unless you don't learn from it. 
That's true. No, I, I'm a big believer of that. I really big believer of that. And also in entrepreneurship, in business, in life, in in general, if you don't take time to reflect upon your successes and your failures, then you know, and you don't have the opportunity to learn from them in either which way, you're never going to achieve the goals that you that you want, right? You're never going to achieve that high levels of success because you're never giving yourself that opportunity to reflect, learn, and grow. Otherwise, you're just floating around forever. And then where did that take you? You know, that doesn't really take you very far. And Eric, that partly comes from this addiction to sameness, to the comfort zone that we have. We don't want to break because we feel, and this is what happens in crisis. In crisis, you see that the existing place, what you had, is no longer a comfortable place. So what you do is you balance out the risk and outcome. And you say, okay, now the risk is worth doing. And that's why you see a lot of innovation in a lot of places, in business, in life, and things that we do. Then that, uh, that say, oh, okay, because the risk is now uh, yeah. But the risk is always a matter of navigating. You know, I, I, I use a lot of analogies in my things. Like I say, you know, you have to be a pilot. An entrepreneur got to look at life as a pilot. Why? Okay. We have a commercial pilot. A commercial pilot flies all over the place. There's always a risk of crash. Okay. Always a risk. But they have a checklist. Do this and this and this and this and this and then it's okay. The weather is this. The engine is this. Check, check, check. They get on it, you know, as a pilot, and uh, that's like a corporate person. It's a corporate structure, right? But if you think of a uh, of a fighter pilot, they still have the same set of risks of flying, but they're also in a in in a, in a war. The competition, the fuel is not enough. That's your capital. The, uh, right. You don't have the right resources. You don't have the right environment. The people are shooting at you all the time because that's the right. competition. Yeah? So it's a, it's the risk of flying is still there as a pilot, but you have added, right. added things to do. Now, let me ask you this. If you are a passenger on a commercial flight, are you taking risks or more risk than the pilot? Well, I'm kind of putting my trust into the pilot that he knows what he's doing. That's exactly right. And that's what we do when we work for a corporation. It's not that we're not an entrepreneur. We just believe that that guy knows how to run it better than I do. And this is exactly how we should run our businesses. Sometimes we have an employee, a person who knows better how to do it. That's why we hire a legal attorney. Marketing guy to do certain things. Because we say, you know, it's not that I am not a leader. It's just this is the point that I like somebody else to be the pilot because they know how to do it. For sure. And also, and that's how you build effective teams, you know, is being able to is being able to appreciate and accept the strengths of other people and allow that to work together. Right. The biggest mistake that I see businesses make and bosses make, and I purposely am using the word boss here, not leader, is that they create their own bottleneck for success. Right? They become the person that everything has to go through in order to be able for things to happen. And what ends up happening is that you're really thwarting your own success because you are not allowing the opportunity for growth. You are limiting your growth to what you have capacity for and ability for. And meanwhile, then why are you even hiring people? 
right? So when you when you're building a team, a, a key to successful team is being able to put your ego aside for a moment and be able to say, look, you have strength in this, and you have strength in this, and you have strength in that, and together we're going to complement each other's strengths and support each other and believe in each other that you're going to be successful, and let's go and, and achieve. And the and the leader. Now I purposely am using the word leader. The leader who is able to do that with their team are the people that are really going to fly towards that next level of success and growth. And you mentioned before, uh, you know, this whole idea of like, well, if I look at a Jeff Bezos, you know, how am I ever going to be like that? Um, you're you're absolutely correct. In other words, if your whole frame of mind is, well, how am I ever going to be like that? You're never going to do anything. What you don't realize is are the steps that that person took also, right? You know, everything that they achieved along the way, the risks and the challenges, that's all, that's all one side of it, right? But the difference, though, the, the other side of it uh, that I see a lot is that, um, is that when you are always looking on someone else and say, well, how come I'm not like you? You're what ends up happening is you forgo your own strengths and you forgo what, what makes you amazing at what, at what you can do. And then, and then you're, and you're throwing away your best asset, your best asset. That's exactly right. So that's why the, you know, again, you set me up to be a promotional guy. I don't mean to be, but the name of my book that's coming out, you are not them. You are not them. You have to find the authentic entrepreneur's way that's your way. Uh, now, right. let me go back to some the, the leadership thing that you were mentioning a minute before. I did an article a few uh, months ago, a couple of months ago uh, for Forbes around this idea that this empowerment thing is right, is wrong. This is, people say, you have to empower people. The core assumption there is that the boss has the power and it's going to give you, the employee, the power to do something. The power, right. creativity, innovation, execution is in the hands of the people. People are the creative people. They have Correct. the innovation ability. I don't. So I can't give them the power. I can facilitate the power. Correct. I can remove barriers for them to execute and apply Correct. their innovation and apply their creativity. But I don't have the power to give them. And this is a fundamental way of how you look at things from right. I am the boss, so I have the power. So that's so interesting. And I would even go as far to say that if you find yourself working in an environment where you feel like you are stifled by that exact mentality, that is not a place you want to be working. That's right. That's right. That is exactly okay. where, where you see organizations that have cultures that are thriving and they are gelling together is a few things. One is that personal entrepreneurship philosophy, that the uniqueness of that entrepreneur who's leading the organization has infected others. Other people are sharing that philosophy. They see that and they say, yeah, I agree with that way of thinking. I agree with that way of being. And therefore they, therefore they gel and it becomes a culture. A culture right. is not, uh, here's the thing, a culture is not built because you have a Friday afternoon barbecues. That's not how a no. culture is built. A culture no, is built not. by doing and by walking the talk. And, uh, you know, I always tell people, 
culture is built when you fire, not when you hire. So I believe that. Fire somebody. I believe in that. You're you're saying you are not behaving according to this set of things. You tell others that this behavior is not acceptable. Whatever right. that behavior is, whatever the culture is, you are unique. You have your own way of doing it, and right. uh, and that makes a culture. It's not just that it happens because you read a few books. <laughs> but if I did read a few more books, maybe then that'd be you know fantastic. <laughs> no, but 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 seriously, I am, I am fundamentally against this idea of starting with how-to books. Right. I'll tell you what, because life. It's not like one of these, uh, you know, an Ikea or some other place where you buy something on Amazon and then you, uh, you, you, you know, assemble it together and say, okay, this is, you, know, you follow a guide that that's how it works. Yes, it's important for you to know the basics of marketing. Yes, it's yeah. important for you to know how to balance your books. Yes, it's important. Yeah. To know. It is important to know all of that, but that doesn't make you an entrepreneur. No, and it also doesn't make you an expert in those fields either. Correct. Correct. And, and, and so if you're saying that, hey, I'm an entrepreneur because I've read all these how-to books, that's not it. You have to, those are the wheels under the car, right. but they are not the car. You are the engine. You right. need to have wheels. You need to know how the mechanics work, but right. you have to have the right mindset to go to. The right mindset yeah. to build an ecosystem. The right, right. mindset to, uh, to work around execution issues. The right mindset to deal with risk. The right mindset to build your authentic self. Right. We have a policy that anyone who's worked with me knows is that um, I never ask someone to do something that I will not do by myself. Right. And so if, if, you know, and we build a culture around that concept of everyone chips in because people see each other doing all the grunt work. Right. Because sometimes you just have to take out the garbage. That's just how it goes, yeah. you know? And and you build culture by setting that example of this is how we work together. And even if, you know, and that's not just applicable at work, but it's applicable for your home life also, right? How you how you um, operate at home, right, is this, you know, is, people will learn from your actions. Um, and the more that you can uh, have people imitate your actions, Right for the positive, right? Which you know you have to be careful because they'll imitate for the good and for the bad. But the more that you can, cre- you know, you create an environment of positive activity and positive mentality through genuinely, Aaron, genuinely, hundred so percent. This is this reminded me of an example. I bought a company in Orange County about uh, eight nine years ago. <laughs> a big distribution company with you know, clients all over the globe. Uh, you know. Uh, you know, I had offices in China. I had offices in you know London and, and US sure. and all that. And uh, the first week that 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 I, we, I bought this company, uh, over a weekend it was a Saturday. I went to the warehouse. It was a big, large warehouse. I don't know, forty, fifty thousand square feet. And uh, I, I saw that it's it's kind of messy. So I picked up the broom, and there's nobody in the building. Right. I picked up the broom and I'm cleaning, and all of a sudden, I had hired a head of logistics, a head of global logistics, that was coming in to pick up something from the office. He walked in and he saw me sweeping the floor. I said, what are you doing? What are you doing? I said, I'm cleaning up. This is my home. And you know that? What happened? That guy took that message, which I didn't intend for. It wasn't a you know, made-up session. It was a genuine act of 
doing something. And what yeah. happened was that message was carried through the entire organization. And I heard that message from all the people, the, 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 the person who we hired two years later. That's amazing. Look, that's a great, that's, you know, that's fantastic. And that's, it's those types of, you know, of, um, of teachings that really make a difference. Look, people, people respond to uh, activity. They, they really do. And the more that you can show them how we work, the more they're going to emulate that. And the more you're going to be able to build a culture around people who believe in the same thing. Yeah. And people who don't are not going to last long in, within that culture either. So a culture is not some plant that you go outside and build and you bring in and you say, okay, this is our culture. It's you right. have to feed it, you have to water it, you have to take care of it, and slowly it will grow and it becomes your culture one day before you know it. So let me say a question. In your opinion, how long does it take to build an effective culture, uh, you know, under the, the guise that you, you know, that, that you'd be happy with? Does that, does that happen in a week, in a month, in a year? What do you think? Uh, let let me. It, it's not. It's it's hard to say how long it would take to build it, but I can tell how long it would take to destroy it. Right. One decision. Yeah. One one decision will destroy your culture. Right. Because if you say here's how we do things, and then you don't do it yourself, if they see you doing something crooked, they see. Yeah. yeah that's acceptable. If they see you. Uh, keeping track of the second cousin who's feeling something and that's okay, then that's okay. If you see, if you see, you give a, a, a bonus to somebody who doesn't deserve it, that's yeah. how you break it. Uh, if if you see you treat a customer in a different way, that's how you that's how you break it. So that's how you put cracks in the in, in the culture, and then you're, it's out of your control. The cracks get bigger and bigger. Uh, without you even noticing that those decisions. So every decision matters. I'm not trying to scare people that, hey, you can't make any decision because, you know, you Maybe. make a mistake. But then immediately okay. if you make that mistake, you have to acknowledge it. You have to 100%. Say, that was a mistake. I learned something from it. And right. hey, Aaron, Joe, Jack, whoever you are, you see, I am correcting course because that wasn't the right thing to do. No, a hundred percent. Look, so you you have a lot of experience when it comes to um, entrepreneurship, building businesses, growing businesses, and things. Uh, you know, um, tell me tell me about your process. How do you how do you build a successful business? And how do you and what are the steps and processes that you need to take in order to sustain a successful business? So. Uh, uh, that's a very good question. So the first place is, I would say, in, in really truly separating what, what, is, uh, what is relevant to people, to customers. So let's start with the idea, essentially. Every business starts right. with an idea, whatever that is. What right. is relevant to other people versus what is relevant to you? So I may like this cup. I think it's beautiful. It's red. It's, it's wonderful. Who wouldn't like it? Right. But it doesn't matter what I like, because we, we have to, as a business, we, unless I want to build it, I want to buy it myself, and I want to use it myself, I need somebody else. Okay. It's not somebody else that's important. So I have to be relevant to other people. That's question number one. Is what I'm building, what I'm having relevant to others? Not because I think it's a great thing, but because they think it's a great thing. 
The second okay. is, are they, is, there, is there an exchange? Remember that entrepreneurship exchange idea? It applies everywhere. Is there an exchange? Are they willing to give me A in exchange of this? Remember, they're entrepreneurs too. <laughs> so they want to give me a dollar, a hundred dollars, or a million dollars in exchange of something I'm giving them. Is okay. this valued for them? Is this is the risk worth for them? Is it something that they would like? So it starts to me. <coughs> sorry, it starts to me always at what am I offering? Is it relevant to people? And so then it is who is doing it? Who is the team? Who is the people who are going to take this idea? and drive it to some fruition. Are okay. they passionate about the idea? Do they like it? Are they committed? At four o'clock in the morning when we have an issue, I, I tell this story as, as something that is absolutely, I, I wear it as a badge of honor. Uh, there, was a, there was a company I had, it was an early stage company, uh, and it was in the 2009, 2010 timeframe where the economy was messed up and and uh, we had at one point even asked some people to uh, forego any payment uh, and to my surprise every employee said yeah we don't want money We're okay. Okay. so okay. they stayed now fast forward six months later we're doing a little better at four o'clock in the morning we had a meeting with CNN as a, as a, as a client and okay. I, as the CEO, was getting on the phone at 4 o'clock. I started looking at the PowerPoint. Boy, this doesn't make sense. These numbers don't make sense. This stuff don't make any sense. So okay. the meeting was at 7 o'clock California time, which was 10 o'clock East Coast. So okay. I sent an email to five people of my team. I said, who is up? I need you. <laughs> you would not leave within five minutes. All of them said, I'm up, what can I do? Wow. I'm up, what can I do? And we were on the call, and we did it, and we fixed it. And we I was going to say, you can solve the problem at least. Solve the problem. Solve the problem. So yeah. the thing is this, they were passionate about what they were doing. It wasn't that I was a, you know, we were, I was a military leader of some sort. They didn't did it for right. me, they did it for themselves. They were up because they wanted to be up. Nobody put a gun to their head. Nobody. Right. I never asked them to be up at four o'clock in the morning, but right. they care, and that caring doesn't happen just by itself. So it is right. important to have the right people, to have the right passion and the right chemistry together. It's okay, always so around people. And, and the second, the, the last thing that I want to I want to make sure in terms of mechanical, it's the attitude of change. That is. I, uh, I used to run a, a Tech Coast Angels, the largest angel investment entity in the U.S. And I used to see a lot of, lot of business plans, a lot. And I would talk to a lot of entrepreneurs. And I have not to this day seen one business plan that somebody showed me that it ended up eventually being exactly what they did. It's always true. Attitude that okay, I figured that no. this is what. I have a question: Is that a good thing? Is that a good thing? Kind of changes or not a good thing? It's a good thing to change, because okay. the world changes. Right. If the world changes and I'm standing over here, then I'm not being relevant. In order for me to be relevant, 
I have to have the flexibility to change, to evolve. Right. So this idea that, you know, I say some entrepreneurs have this, uh, what I call uh, founderitis. It's kind of like arthritis for founders. <laughs> it's a disease, you know, oh, this is what I like, this is what I do, this is the way it should be done. Well, that's wrong. Who cares about you? You care about the client. Ability <laughs> to evolve, I think, is again a, 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 a mindset that's uh, that's important. I, I I totally hear that. As the um, <clears throat> as someone who who ran uh, one of the largest angel uh, angel investors in the United States, right? You you said yourself, right? You had business plans coming across your desk, you know, at, at your ears. What, do you, what, what advice would you give uh, to someone who's looking for investment, right? What, what advice would you give in order for them to be able to catch your attention? And what are the things that stick out at you to say that you can tell, yes, that's, that's going to work? Uh, so there are, there are a few things that you hear the names left and right. One is coachability, okay. uh, chemistry. I don't want to work with somebody. So here's the thing. If I'm signing up, I'm not trying to give somebody money and then let them go. Right. I think there's more value to me being next to them than the money. Okay. Okay. It's it's every professional angel in this. I'm not talking about somebody who's, you know, uh, in the real estate business and does some investments on the side. Sure. As a professional investor, you think that it's not the money that's valuable, it's your connections, it's who you are, it's your experience, all of that. So coachability is always something that people say. Flexibility of how do we manage this is, is another characteristic. Now, uh, this may sound silly, but my first advice is if you can take no money, take no money. Don't take money. Right. You don't want somebody to be over your head. It is not a good thing. And the probability is, 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 is really minute. I mean, if you look at like the, uh, the Kaufman Foundation did a study, uh, yeah. out of every thousand people that looks for money, even angel money, one gets it. Out of every thousand, one gets it. Now listen to this. Out of every of they who actually get it, ever get to a finished life. Ever wow. get to a finish line. So that's the one in a million chance. What does that mean? They never get to the finish line. It means that they're always in process. The company fails uh, at best. Uh, you know, only five, ten percent of companies actually exit with a profit. Right. A lot of them are like uh, stagger. About uh, 30, 40 percent just fold. About another 30, 40 percent. Uh, do uh, maybe about uh, two or three eggs, or they just make their money back. Another thirty percent get, twenty-five percent get maybe three or four eggs. There is very few that become uh, an Uber or a, or a, or an Airbnb right. or or whatever. So why so why would you ever then invest in a company if your assumption is that they're never going to they're never going to um, um, exit? It's no. First of all. As an investor, you expect all of them to give you 10x, 20x, 30x of your money. So if I give somebody a million dollars, I'm planning, I have to assess that this company could potentially give me 30 million dollars, 20 million dollars. Okay. And then I give 10 of these or 25 of these, actually the number is 25, 
in order for me to reduce the risk. And if one of these, I'm, I, I'm anticipating 30%, 40% will fail. Okay. Now, which one it is, I don't know. You try, it's kind of like getting married, you know, it's 50, 60% of people get divorced, but nobody enters a marriage saying, you know, I'm going to go screw up this marriage. Everybody does their homework. Everybody wants it to be good, but it doesn't work. Uh, yeah, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. The game, this is the game that you're trying to spread the, the, the risk. You figure yeah. out, and, but you look for every, each one of these. Do they have a compelling value proposition? Uh, is this something relevant to the market? Uh, is this guy coachable? Is this person, uh, would he listen or would she listen or be a partner with the investor? Are they flexible? So all of those are important. And authenticity and honesty is also important. Remember, I'm giving you my money. I don't want to get a crook. Correct. I don't want to give it to somebody who lies to me from day one. Right. And I'm not giving it to a bank where I know it's insured by some place and I it's safe. I'm giving it to you with a high probability of failure. Right. Do you give seed capital or only or only after companies show success? No, I, I, I am the I am the, the foolish one of the world. Uh, but, you know, people appreciate that because without you, no one would ever have a, um, um, a second step in order to, to stand on. So thank you. Without me, you wouldn't have an example of stupidity either. <laughs> like, uh, but, but, but I have found that when I'm involved, and I, you know, this is, I'm an analytical guy, uh, the chances of success of the companies, the ones that I'm involved with, it, it, it's up by 4.38. That means four times higher likelihood if I'm involved and I work and there's chemistry and it's not just the money, it's we're working together. So okay. usually I'm the guy who says, yeah, I would invest in a man and a laptop if I really like the guy and I like the, you know, the, the person. And I like her uh, with, with, with her, you know, ideas or whatever. Uh, I would do that, but I have to be close. Right. So, um, so what, what, what would you attribute that success to? In other words, it, clearly you're not necessarily an expert in everyone's industry. So, why do you think that on for the companies that you're involved with, why, why do they show so much more success? What, what is it about you that's able to do that for them? Uh, I, I think it's. Um, it's bringing experience in a lot of different areas from sales and marketing to product development to, to you name it. That when things go straight, you know, in the wrong direction, I'll say, you know, I've been on this road. This is not the right road. So I may have helped them avoid certain roads, if you would. Okay. Or when, when we see something, say, if you negotiate this way, if you do this way, this way, and, and some of those skills are transferable, right? Right. So that I think the key thing in, in those success factors, it's not just me, it's the entrepreneur as well. If the entrepreneur is willing to get into a constructive building and he will take, and you know, I've, I, you know, I have a few uh, uh, entrepreneurs. One of them started uh, a printing company. And when I saw him, he had a very little uh, sales. And, but he took my first book. 
uh, I, I didn't know him. He was a student at, at USC at that point and had just started. Sure. And, yeah. uh, and I gave him my book as just, you know, a, a casual thing. Uh, and then he came back to me a month later with 30 pages of notes. Uh, <laughs> 30 pages like, of notes. You are a good student. Okay, great. <laughs> but this, is, this wasn't the case. We had a one-hour right. thing. I teach in China every, every every year, not this year. but So I, I said, hey, I'm leaving. He said, no, 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 a month later. He said, I want to meet with you before you leave. I said, okay, this afternoon. He said, yeah, yeah, I'll come by. We met at the Starbucks. And he showed me his notes and he says, uh, I think we've we have had an addiction in here. I think we've done this. Now, what do you think? So we agreed on four things for him to do. Okay. okay. To be honest with you, I didn't think he could do it. Okay. This was June. I said if he could do it by next year, he would do it. I came back in August. He sent me a letter. This is two, three months later. And he says, can we meet? He had completed all those four things. His wow. okay. He took the advice. He maneuvered it. He massaged it to situations. Right. He figured out what works best within that framework. I didn't do that. He did that. That's awesome. Have you ever had any founders like fight with you about you know direction and uh, you know and, and create? So how do you how do you handle that uh, that that type of conflict? The, the the question is how does my wife handle that? <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, you know, what I say is when you've invested in somebody and you've, you've done this, you're, you're literally pregnant. There's no other way to, to, to explain this. Um, okay. I've had that situation. I've had, I've had situations where uh, somebody, a friend of mine who was, for example, on a, on a board, he called me in and he said, this guy, David, only listens to you. I just can't communicate. They got into a fight. And I got on a board for no reason at all. I didn't even like the idea, but you know, I, I was kind of missing. I've had situations where you know I was on the board of a company, which, by the way, eventually sold. You had to get rid of CEO. This is another thing. Uh, uh, investors do not want to own your business. Right. It, it is wrong. This is they call them venture, venture, you know, uh, venture capitalists, you know, venture uh, cultures, whatever they call it. Uh, but uh, the idea is that if I'm investing in something, I don't want to own that business. If I wanted to do it, I'll go start up something myself. I don't right. want to own that business. So the worst thing is for investors to want to get involved and, and fire a CEO. That's not their objective. Right. That is the absolute last resort. Okay. Here's the idea. I'm investing in you. So at 4 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm asleep. And you're working. I don't want to be you. I've done that before. <laughs> so nobody wants to anybody that's professional investor. Again, you know, maybe somebody who gives you some money and their intention is, you know, not necessarily kosher. They just want to get in. They just want to, you know. Uh, sure. But professional investors do not desire to be running your business. No, interesting to know. Look, look, I've um, I've met with a lot of different VCs, not not necessarily for my own stuff, but I have a lot of clients that I've worked with who all have received investments from a whole variety of you know of you know VCs and uh, funds and stuff. And one of the things that we've seen is that they all operate very differently. Some of them are a lot more hands on. 
and, you know, a lot more, you know, into the details. And some of them are just about, well, just report back to me about how it's happening. And, you know, it's really, it's really interesting to see the level of involvement that someone takes when they invest in me. Right. Um, and what's interesting though, is when we, when, when, when we talk about like, you know, recruiting investment, <clears throat> There's a lot of types of investment you could recruit in order to be successful that doesn't have to be financial. Right. You can recruit. You can recruit someone's time. You can recruit. You know, someone's passion. You can recruit someone's expertise and experience. You know, in your in your industry, right? Um, and you should never. And one of the big things that we, you know, I tell, you know, look, I, I talk with a lot of you know heads of companies. Um, and I, you know, I tell them, I say, don't ever underestimate a person's ability to invest in your company. If it's something that, you know, it, with, with, with the skills that they know how, right. What, you know, um, another example is that, you know, I work also with, um, a whole variety of large not-for-profits and they're always looking to raise capital. They're always looking to, you know, build new programs. And I, well, the first question I always ask the CEO is, have you turned to your staff for support yet, right? And not necessarily for financial support, but have you turned to them and asked them, hey, are you committed to our cause? Who, you know, what resources do you have access to? Before we go to the outside world, before we go to people who don't really know what we do, right? Turn to the people who are passionate enough to be part of it, you know, day in, day out, all the time, and say, hey, what resources do you have to give? And you'd be surprised what kind of investment people can get and can thrive on that success in order to hit their next milestone of whatever it happens to be, their next achievement, right? It really, it really makes makes a big difference. Um, I told you about I told you about this being the pilot idea, which which I talk about in my book. But the yeah. another one that that I say be an ocean, and I, okay. I say you have to create your own oceanness. An ocean has certain characteristics. It's a provider. That means it provides to all entities within the ocean. It has an ecosystem that survives. It's a connector. It connects yeah. land to the, the, the plant. Uh, it, it has a lot of characteristics. And what I say is be an ocean or explore your own ocean. That doesn't necessarily, uh, you know, impact. Like Microsoft may have 17 million people in this <laughs> ecosystem. You and I may have a donut shop or a little sandwich shop. We have two people working for us and, uh, you know, and, and a bunch of customers. Not millions of customers. 2,800 right. customers, but that's our ocean. The question right. is, how do we apply our oceanness to it? That is, how do we how do we get people to connect with each other? How do we create this energy? And there are different kinds of energies, energies that are waves that runs our business every day, right. that uh, help us go from one like tropical energies that gets us from one stage to another. Uh, right. So. Creating this idea that you have to build your ocean, and it doesn't matter if it's got two people to it or two hundred thousand people. You're, to it. You are so correct. You are so correct. It's true, and there's a certain level. Not that everyone should be in, you know, all the details of your business because that's not their business, right? But 
but there's no reason why you can't be transparent and communicate about your successes and your struggles and know who to turn to. If you have an active support base, meaning, right, you have, uh, let's say you have a staff or you have people who love buying your product, right? Don't be afraid to turn to them and say, hey, let me ask your opinion on the following. You know, because you'd be surprised how many people who actually want you to, you know, want to see you succeed will step up, right? All of your customers, all the people who buy your product, all the people who work for you, all the people who think about you, they all want you to succeed. They all, they all want your business to be successful because they want to keep participating in it. They want to keep, you know, exchanging that, you know, resources with you, you know, money for service or product. They wanted that yet. So, you know, don't, don't ever underestimate that network that you are a part of on all sides. Of it. Exactly right. But if you want people to be an active supporter, you have to be an active supporter of them. It's a I agree that. Hands down. I could not agree more. I could, that is so actively important. Because you're right, people will respond, and this comes back to what we said before, people will respond to how you initiate um, 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 activity, right? And so when you invest in people and you invest, you know, people will invest back in you. Look, this is a conversation I have with, with, with brands all the time. It's, you know, it's, it's, you know, how does your brand, whether you are an individual or a company or a multi, you know, multi bajillion dollar business, right? How does your brand interact with its people? How does it look at them? Do you look at them as people or do you look at them as just like a mull of blur that, you know, that's shelling out cash, right? A really successful brand is the brand who can help, who, who can, who sees their audiences as individuals, responds and reacts to those people as individuals, as people, right? And who's able to help those people see themselves in your brand. It's not all about me all the time. It's really the focus always has to and be. They are, and they, they are genuine to that, to, to who they are. It's not that they didn't, uh, they didn't employ some uh, public relations firm, say a branding firm, or create the logo of what our brand is. And they not deliver it. So here's the thing. I use this in, in, in my classes uh, uh, all the time. At, you know, I teach at USC. Uh, and I say, okay, here's the thing. Let's assume I come in one day and I have a suit and tie on. And uh, I have a briefcase. The next day I come in, I have a guitar on my, on my back. And I painted my, my, uh, my hair green. And the next okay. day I come in in a different way with a, you know, a glass of, with a beer in my hand. And, and the next day I come in, right? You don't know who I am. Right. You don't know who I am. So I had a teacher like that once, by the way. <laughs> I had a teacher like that once. Yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was so weird. Okay, anyway, sorry. Yeah. So, but, but the question is that if you are a brand and you take a position of who you are, it's just like you have to build you you like your friends to be similar and you will have to be able to trust them. So they have to always be the same. If right. I'm if I am this way, if I'm helpful, they they, they want to be able to count on me. Rely right. as this, right? And that's how a brand is built because it's the character right. of the company. Right, a hundred percent. I totally appreciate that. What was one of your toughest 
but best learning processes during your business? In other words, like what was like, we, we talk a lot about learning from mistakes or failures, right? Um, what, is there a particular time in your career that you really can look at and say, wow, that was a pivotal learning experience for I, me? I, I can. So there's this idea, by the way, that I believe, and I'll give you the example, but this, uh, I think, is over time I have built this idea that uh, there's a term in, uh, in Hindu, I believe it is, in Indian, uh, okay. up-guru. Up guru, you know what a guru is. This is up guru. Sure. Okay. So an up guru. I'll trust you on this one. I I I know yeah. you. I'll trust so you. Okay. A guru yeah. is <laughs> that you follow and you believe in whatever, <laughs> and whatever you want to call it. The guru. So up guru right. is uh, it means the guru that's near me. That's with okay. me. So I believe that that could be anywhere. That could be uh, that could be in a conversation that uh, you have with your wife, with your kids a teller at a bank window. It could be a bumper sticker on the back of a car. It could be your teacher. It could be, if you are listening, that guru is teaching you something, okay. then you can learn. It's not, it's, it's how you listen, right. not how people tell you things, how you listen. Correct, correct. So, so let me tell you that one pivotal point, and there's been many, this is one. Uh, I sold the company when I was in college. So I was pretty full of myself. But then I became an analyst uh, in a consulting firm. Uh, and, uh, and about, you know, in those days, there was no computers. Uh, there was, you know, we would write reports in such and paste, and, and you had a typist who would type it up. It was a complicated process. Okay. And, uh, and uh, we used to do reports for clients. You know, at that point, I was serving clients like Motorola or uh, or IBM, Federal Reserve Bank, and those kind of big. So uh, there was a guy named Jim, Jim Steinman, who was my first boss. And uh, and one night I was leaving around seven or eight o'clock at night, and I had written a report for a client. And his office was right where I was going to get, you know, get out of the door. His office was right there, glass thing, so you could see, see who was coming and going. So as I was going, he said, Sit, sit, come on over here. So he handed me a report that I had done, all red marks, everywhere. And he said, You are a brilliant man, but you will never, ever make it as a consultant. Take this piece of flat and throw it at me. Wow. He said, You cannot write. Okay. okay, so, so that, somebody could have taken that in the wrong way. I said, he's right. I cannot okay. write. I need to be able to write. <laughs> I, write I write reports. I've written two books. I, I write for London School of Economics. I write for lots of different places, foreign policy, this and that and that. And that has been a phenomenal pivotal point as a personal thing. It, because if you can't write, you can't communicate. You're like right. a you're like an artist, a singer, who cannot sing. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, a, a guitarist without a guitar, you're useless. You cannot right. voice yourself. So that was that was something that was completely pivotal for me. Wow, you have um, a new book coming out. Right? Uh, you are not them. What what is that? What what's that book about? 
where did it come from? How, how did you get to writing this? So uh, my first book, which was out a few couple of years ago, is called The Caterpillar's Edge. And it was about the idea of caterpillar, you know, evolves all the time and it turns from one thing to another. It was the idea that you have to evolve always. And right. it was more focused on bigger companies and so forth. But at my roots, I'm an entrepreneur. And uh, over time, I started thinking, you know, it's really the mindset of people. That's what, that's, that's why you started with this, why they call you the entrepreneur philosopher. Because I have philosophical <laughs> conversations with entrepreneurs. You say, hey, the way you think over here is because we, so the idea is, is very simple. A, all of us are entrepreneurs. So let me write that. Uh, where you are in the spectrum, that's a different story. Uh, on one side, you have uh, people who are, I say, misguided. These are people who trying to be bamboozling people and bullying, you know, stealing people and, uh, you know, stealing, cheating, whatever. And, you know, they're fast talkers. That's not necessarily an entrepreneur. That's a, that's a charlatan. Then on the other side, you have the deniers who deny that they are actually an entrepreneur. They're exchanging every day. So with that, with that philosophy of we're all entrepreneurs, and I looked at the entrepreneurs and said, you know, we're not them. Everybody is different. So what do I need to make myself unique? I need a philosophy. I need my own unique philosophy. So what the book does is not a how-to. It's a whole set of ideas. Again, I talk about this idea of being the pilot. What does that mean? How do you deal with risk? Uh, the idea of ocean the energies that and it's full with with examples of my personal examples other examples uh it's also about this idea of be a dancer uh, uh be a dancer and uh, has to do with has okay. to do with timing has to do with all that sort of stuff be authentic the authentic leader and i talk about how do you the you know the the, the trust needed the courage all, all of those sort of stuff and actuating your mindfulness it's not about sitting in a room and being mindful and aware. It's how do you take that and activate it and actuate it. So right. it's a collection of ideas, and uh, it's got uh, poems from Rumi and, uh, and, and uh, statements from Plato to, to you name it. Uh, right. And that's why it's, it's a combination of philosophy and, uh, uh, and, and business, because I believe right. it all starts in your mindset. And if you fix your mindset, if you have a mindset that is clear, your strategies and plans will connect nicely to your execution, to the way you market, to the way you present yourself, to the way you build a culture, to the way you succeed. So, you are not them is the, the it's, it's called the authentic, authentic entrepreneur's way, which you would build. And uh, it's different than most books because I start with the conclusion. The first chapter of the book is the conclusion. The last chapter is the beginning. <laughs> okay. um, so, uh, so, and, and uh, you know, it's got a lot of nice, uh, you know, from people like Tim Draper, who's a well-known uh, uh, Silicon Valley, uh, you know, uh, venture capitalist, to uh, uh, to others. The forward is is written by the uh, uh, by the founder or the inventor of cell phones. Uh, Mark Cooper. So I've got lots of good, good, uh, good things about it. It'll be out on the twenty sixth of January. Hey, how, how can someone order? It would uh, be or get a copy. 
it would be on Amazon. On the 26th, it would be out. The early, I think, availability is on 23rd. Uh, right. But it would be on Amazon, and they can get it anywhere in the world. I assume it's Amazon, and they figured that piece of it out. Um, I think they figured that piece out. Uh, we can learn a thing or two in, in, in uh, vaccine distribution as well from those guys. Just a little bit. <laughs> so, uh, that's yeah. called uh, You Are Not Them, uh, the right. authentic uh, entrepreneur's way. And, uh, and, and uh, I, I hope you enjoy it. Sid, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, we love, I, I love talking with you. It was, you have so much insight. You're clearly so excited and passionate about all, all the things that you're involved with and that, and that you, you know, you're, you're part of. It was really, uh, it was really wonderful. How, if someone wants to get in touch with you about, you know, about your book, about business or whatever it is, how can someone find you? Uh, my main site is called mohasab.com, my last name.com. My okay. email is sid at mohasab.com. So uh, if you know my name, then you can figure it out. And then there are links there to my advisory, to my venture uh, things, to, uh, to my book, uh, to uh, also my speaking engagements. I do a lot of speaking engagements for uh, CEO roundtables around the globe, uh, you know. Uh, different kind of uh, forums, big forums, you know, so, so um, I'm very available uh, all over the place on the net. They should be able to find me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking with you here on the Executive Talk podcast, and I'm looking forward and excited to continuing this conversation with you and for you taking the time to uh, chat with us and all of our listeners here today. So thank you very much. Thank you for having me, and I uh, and I ask you and and your audience to never leave change to chance. <laughs> You're on. It's a deal. Thank you so much, Sid. Have a great one. Take care. Okay. How was that? How did we do? Hey, was it good for you? It was awesome. I loved it. Well, good. 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 I love. I um. I I love how you put it. How your take on um on how to understand and appreciate entrepreneurship and leadership in such practical ways. I think, you know, it's, I think it's beautiful. I, um, I, ha I have a, like people ask me about leadership, right? About, you know, can, can anyone be a leader? And I give them this um, 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 analogy is, I believe that anyone can be a leader. My personal leadership, I believe anyone, anyone can achieve it. And the example that I give is um, people have something in their life where they might not realize it, but they create a sense of ownership for it, right? And so, for example, right, when I get into a car and I'm driving somewhere, I drive with purpose. I know exactly where I'm looking to go. Exactly. I have zero tolerance and patience for stupid drivers. I have, you know, if you try to do something, you know, on the road that's dangerous, you know, that is a problem. If you're driving too slow, it annoys me. If you're driving, you know, like, like I, I, I know that when I get into my car and I'm driving, I have that sense of ownership of the road. I am confident. I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm, I'm aware of all my surroundings and, you know, and I'm there. 
the, the, the trick now, though, is to be able to understand that as an independent component of you. And you can say to yourself, hey, all of these characteristics that I experience and exhibit while doing that, it's not specific to driving. That's a mentality. It comes out when right. you drive, but that's a mentality. Absolutely. So now, right. So now the question becomes is how do you take that and apply it somewhere else? So and you can be a leader, but you have to be your kind of leader. So you're correct. your kind of driver. You're not your driving is not just like me. Your car is not just like me. Your age is not like me. You get uh, you have to be your kind of driver, your kind of leader. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And that's what I say. I, I, I say entrepreneurship and leadership are two sides of a coin. They are twin brothers. Okay. Okay? They are twin brothers. If you, you, have the, you have the talent, the entrepreneurial talent, it's inherent in all of us. You also have the inherent talent to lead. You decide, yeah. I don't want to lead here, I want to lead here, because you don't have the confidence because you're afraid, because you want to push the thing. It's just kind of like being a pilot. You just like, hey, guys, be a pilot. Yeah, and it, it can be with anything, right? Whether you are you like to play sports, you like to ride bikes, you like to run, you like to write, you like to, it doesn't matter what you're doing. But if you understand that those capabilities exist, you have to become self-aware of those components. And then you can take them and you can apply them to other aspects of your life and you can develop them and grow them in areas that you think you never Absolutely. thought possible. Aaron, you're gonna Aaron, you're gonna love my book. I'm gonna love it. I, I'm, I'm excited I'm to read it. You. You're gonna love my book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to read it. I really am. I think uh, I think it's it's gonna be fabulous. I think it's, it's gonna, gonna give you a lot of material as well. You know, a lot of one liners <laughs> in there. You'll, 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 yeah, I, I can see that you're 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 tilted that way, you know. Look, we um, you know, I um, I ran a a conference a little while ago, um, a marketing conference, but like I ran a conference, and I, and then I, and then I had intended to plan a second one, and for a whole variety of different reasons, it never worked. Um, and I have every intention of re-engaging with that and getting back into that next level. And when I do, I'm telling you now, you're going to be my first phone call. I'm like, Sid, I don't know if you remember this, right? Or remember who I am, but yeah, we're having, we're, we're, you know, we're looking for a speaker and I want you to come join us. Um, so I'm going to be happy to do it. We'll be happy to do it. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm so glad that you uh, you uh, took the time. Thank you for uh, for, you for, for chatting you. with me. Great conversation. I enjoyed it. And, uh, how what? How late is it for you? Eh, it's not so bad. It's all. It's it's still early. It's still early. It's, only it's, it's still early. Time to only go time. out. <laughs> if it wasn't in a lockdown right now, that would that would be that great. Would be but, you know. <laughs> so I, I read, I, I saw something that says, you know, I now understand why dogs run out when the door is open. <laughs> oh, I love that. It's so funny. Awesome. So when the doors get open, we're going to all run out. That's it. We're all out. That's all out. Awesome. Right. Sid, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Have a great one. I'm looking thank forward to continuing this conversation. And I will share that on my uh, social media as well. You're on.
Cool. Okay. Thanks. 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 Take care. You too. Bye bye. Bye.